Welcome to 500 Seconds to Joy. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I have Trent Horn with me. This is episode number 82. This is part one of my conversation with Trent, and Trent is a convert to the Catholic faith. He has master's degrees in theology, philosophy, bioethics. He's a staff apologist for Catholic Answers. That's probably where you have heard of him if you're in the Catholic world, and he specializes in teaching Catholics to both graciously and persuasively engage those who disagree with them. And Trent really models that approach each week on the radio program, Catholic Answers Live, and on his own podcast, The Council of Trent. And he's debated at UC Berkeley, Santa Barbara, Stanford. He's an adjunct professor of apologetics at Holy Apostles College. He's written for the National Catholic Bioethics Quarterly, and he's the author of nine books, including Answering Atheism, The Case for Catholicism, and Why We're Catholic, Our Reasons for Faith, Hope, and Love. So Trent is a powerhouse speaker, and he knows his stuff. He's a, an apologist. That means he has studied this. That means he has a lot of knowledge about the Catholic faith, about the Bible. And in this two-part episode, I think you're going to learn a lot. If you're Catholic, I'm hoping that it'll deepen your knowledge of the faith. And if you're not Catholic, I invite you to listen with an open mind. And in part one, we're talking about the source and summit of the Catholic faith. This is the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the source and summit of the Catholic faith. And Trent talks about in this first part of our conversation, why we believe in the Eucharist, where's the biblical evidence, and you're just going to have to hear it from him because he's an amazing speaker. And let's take it away, Trent Horn. <laughs> hey, Trent. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Welcome in. Thank you for having me. Yes, everybody. This is Trent Horn. He is a Catholic apologist, a best-selling author, and he's also a podcast host. And you have the podcast, The Council of Trent. Love the name. And I love that you do these really cool YouTube um, I guess, what is it? Debates, let's say. Well, I um, do the, yeah, I do debates and on YouTube, yes. you can find a lot of those on YouTube. Uh, mm -hmm. But on my channel, the Council of Trent channel on YouTube, I've been focusing on doing rebuttal videos. So I'll take right. a look at videos yes. that are uh, critical of Catholicism. And I basically play the video and I offer my, my thoughts and uh, share other arguments that oppose what's brought up in them. Yes, that's the word I was trying to remember, rebuttal. I was listening to one of your episodes on your podcast about um, your rebuttal to to someone. I forget who it was, but it was great. And so I'm really happy to have you here today. We have a big show for everybody, and we're going to talk about the Eucharist. We're going to talk about Mary, mm -hmm. two of the key Catholic doctrine that I think a lot of Protestants um, either struggle with or maybe they haven't heard it explained um, quite the way you are about to. <laughs> I know sure. you'll do a great job and I'm super excited. So before we get into it, um, mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about you? Um, I introduced you, but anything else you want to share about your family, um, your what your life looks like in this season, right. um, maybe about your most recent book and, and the mission behind what you do? Sure. Uh, well, I am a staff apologist at Catholic Answers, which is an, a media apostolate dedicated to explaining and defending the Catholic faith. I've been with Catholic Answers since 2012. I've authored 
several books, I think nine books by this point. My most recent book is Can a Catholic Be a Socialist? The answer is no. Here's why that I co-authored with a, an economist from Catholic University of America. Uh, so I've written several books. I have three master's degrees uh, in theology, philosophy, and bioethics. And so I love speaking, debating, writing. Uh, on the personal side, I'm married. I've been married since 2013. I have two little boys and a third on the way in September. So life is good. Nice. Love it. Cool. And um, so what would you say is your favorite book? Um, I didn't really plan to ask this, but I'm just curious, since you've written a number of them, what's your favorite that you've written? Oh, the favorite book that I've written. Yeah, that's like mm -hmm. picking your favorite it's like picking your favorite kid. You're not supposed to do yeah, that. Yeah, uh, I know you're no, really not, but honestly, <laughs> sure, sure. I think my favorite book that I've written is Why We're Catholic, Our Reasons mm -hmm. for Faith, Hope, and Love. That was my mm -hmm. fourth book. The reason why we're Catholic is my favorite book is because it is done. I believe it has done the most amount of good of all of my books. Um, I just I just got a message today from a young woman who gave the book to her father, who is an agnostic. And because of it and other reasons, he just came into the church. So he went from agnosticism to Catholicism. So I think God wow. has really used that book to bless a lot of people to help them come to know the person of Jesus Christ, come to know his church, come back to the church. Uh, and so we've sold probably over 250,000 copies of that book. And it's still wow. people buy cases of them. You can go to shop.catholic.com. And so as, as opposed to Amazon, if you go to shop.catholic.com and search for why we're Catholic uh, 20 pack, you can actually buy a box of 20 of them for 60 bucks, $3 a wow. copy. And people just buy them and give them away. And I wrote, I wrote that book specifically so that I wrote it not for Catholics, but I really wrote it for people who are not Catholic as if I were talking to them. And that's why I think the book is very readable and accessible and easy to give away to others. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, it seems like it's one of your most approachable books, in my opinion. And I think um, so often, and the title just grabs you in. Um, right. So, and you're, you're a convert yourself. So I really, I think you have a powerful personal testimony, um, which I have read about. And then I also would love to get into our topic now and talk about these two huge Catholic doctrines. Sure. So let's start with the Eucharist. What does Jesus say in the Bible about the Eucharist? And why, as Catholics specifically, do we believe in the true presence of Jesus in the bread and wine? Why isn't it just a symbol? Why isn't it just something that we can do without really believing like, you know, about what, 70% of Catholics don't even believe that Jesus is truly present? I think I heard that statistic somewhere. I don't know if yeah. it's still true, but why do we believe it? Where Where's the biblical kind of what proof in quotation marks, let's say? Right. And then can you build on that a little bit? Why, why do we believe that as Catholics as one of, our, you know, the key doctrines of the faith? Yes, the Catechism says that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. Eucharist mm -hmm. comes from a Greek word that means thanksgiving. And so it is, it is a sacrifice. It is the sacrifice of Christ himself offered up for not just our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Uh, so the, the importance of the Eucharist is something we cannot understate. Uh, the, the quote you mentioned about 70% of Catholics not believing Christ is truly present, uh, that, that also includes people who identify as Catholic but haven't been to a church in years. So mm, even still, okay, they're, they're, I was so wondering includes, about that. When you go to people who, who, are, who go uh, on a weekly basis, it's 70% believe it is 
Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist, that's still 30% or don't, which require, which means we've got a serious catechetical problem here mm-hmm. you know, that, what they, in that one movie. You know, we, what we have here is a failure to communicate. So and I think some people, they don't get it. Like, well, why? Why is Jesus present in the Eucharist? I don't understand the Mass. What's, what, why, why do I need this? Well, in paragraph 1324 of the Catechism, it says, For in the blessed Eucharist is contained the whole spiritual good of the church, namely Christ himself, our Pasch. So Pasch means Passover. And the idea is that the Eucharist is the new Passover of the new covenant. We really cannot understand the importance of the Eucharist and Christ's presence in it unless we understand what it's the fulfillment of. So if the Eucharist is the new Passover, what is the old Passover? In the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 12, uh, describes how during the plagues of Egypt, the angel of death came and the firstborn of Egypt were slain in the last plague, except for those who put the blood of a lamb across their doorpost and those who put the, put the blood of the lamb over their doors and ate the Passover meal, who not just sacrificed the lamb, but consumed the lamb, they would be spared death. Okay, so let's fast forward then to the time in the New Testament. It seems very clear in the New Testament that Jesus is the new Passover lamb, is far superior than the old one. Uh, John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus in John one twenty nine, says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Christ, our Paschal Lamb, has been sacrificed. And if you remember, Jesus' legs are not broken. He is a male without blemish, just like the Passover Lamb. So the idea here is that Jesus not only dies for our sins, but when we receive him, we receive him into our bodies and receive the fullness of that Passover sacrifice. And Jesus just makes that abundantly clear in Scripture that that is the purpose of the Eucharist that he instituted when he said, take any, this is my body. John six fifty three through 57 Jesus is clear. He says, my flesh is food indeed. My blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Uh, you know, it's, he, he's very emphatic about it. And here's what's interesting is that when people misunderstand Jesus, like when he's being symbolic and people misunderstand him. In John 4, Jesus speaks symbolically about food, uh, but people misunderstand him. So he corrects them. In John six sixty six, it says many people no longer followed him when he said this. And, but Jesus could have corrected them. He's saying, well, I'm just being symbolic. But he's mm-hmm. not, because later, St. Paul, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven, he says, he who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. And so if you think about that, if the Eucharist is merely a symbol, then if, if I cut up a picture of you, I'm not going to be guilty of your body or blood. I've destroyed a symbol of you, not you. But if you profane the Eucharist, you profane the very body and blood of Christ so that we can receive him and receive the spiritual nourishment that comes from receiving this Passover sacrifice given to us as part of the new Passover of the new covenant. So that is the Eucharist in a in a nutshell that Christ wanted us to be able to receive him as the Passover lamb, not as cannibals. So that's why he gives himself to us under the form of bread and wine, even though after the bread and wine are consecrated, the substance, the metaphysical core that unites it all becomes the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. That I took so many notes. Thank you, Trent. That was incredible. And as a credo Catholic, I think there's a lot of this that it makes sense to me, but when you lay it out in that sort of methodical way, 
starting with the Old Testament and going through to the New Testament, it makes so much sense. So thank you for laying that out and, and sure. giving the scripture references. I will make sure to put those in the show notes, everybody. Yeah. And, and also, um, I, would, incredible. I, would, I would also point out that when we look at this methodically from Old to New Testament, we also mm -hmm. have to look at this historically. We should ask ourselves, what did the first Christians believe about this? These are the people who were closest to the apostles, the ones who had received the apostles' teaching. And what did they say? Well, St. Ignatius of Antioch, writing at the turn of the second century, uh, just a little bit after the death of John the Apostle, uh, he said, the Eucharist is the flesh of our Savior, Jesus Christ, flesh which suffered for our sins and which the Father in his goodness raised up again. He even said that heretics were people who denied this very mm -hmm. truth. And so this was something that was believed. No one believed the Eucharist was merely a symbol of Jesus until probably the 11th century. Uh, so it was really undisputed. Uh, people did not believe this. They recognized this is truly Jesus that they were that they were receiving. Wow, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Thank you. And you know, to make it a little bit more personal for people, mm -hmm. you became Catholic. So you before you were Protestant, and um, I'm sure you have a huge heart for Protestant brothers and sisters. I know yes. I do as well. And of one of my missions with this podcast is actually to unite Protestants and Catholics. So having you here is just. Sure. So perfect. Um, so let's talk about when you became Catholic, how did you personally experience Jesus and, and really come to the full knowledge of like, okay, yes, Jesus is truly present. I mean, you've given these scripture references, so I'm sure that came into play, but yeah. is there anything else that you personally well, experienced or uh, any aha moments to, that helped you realize it's the true presence? Sure, sure. I, I think for me, it, it was an understanding. It was breaking away from the idea that uh, faith and salvation is rooted merely in the spiritual, that God is, is just a spiritual reality I give my life to, uh, and so, and that I receive God in just a purely spiritual way. Uh, for me, uh, when I was really kind of a non-denominational Christian exploring Catholicism, the theology of sacraments meant a lot to me. Now, Catholics believe that Protestants also have two, uh, also have valid uh, sacraments, or well, that we understand that, of course, Protestants who believe in. Uh, baptism, you know, they, they, we recognize the validity of Protestant baptism, for example, even if we don't always share the same theology of it. Uh, but there are Protestants who would believe in, in baptism that are close to this Catholic sacramental theology of seeing that God wants to relate to us, not merely on a spiritual level. It's kind of like how, if you remember when you first got emails, it was a really cool and exciting thing. Now emails are just drudgery. So like mm -hmm. when you get a card, when you get a card in the mail from somebody, it's just like such a neat thing to warm your heart. Like they actually hand wrote it and put the card in the envelope and it was carried and mailed to you uh, that, that you have this, that God affects grace to us. What Catholics believe with the sacraments is that God communicates his grace, his very divine life to us through matter because matter matters since we are matter. You know, it's the mm -hmm. same reason that, you know, in this pandemic, talking to someone on Zoom is not the same as sitting with them in person. It's just mm -hmm. not, you know, no matter how many times we try to recreate it, it's not the same thing as having actually embracing someone in person. And God knows that with us. And so God wants to 
take away our sins and he's given us material channels for that grace to do so. That makes sense to us. He wants to wash us away of original sin. Water is poured over us. And many Protestants believe baptism is not just a symbol that I believe in Christ or that I am saved, but as 1 Peter 3.21 says, baptism now saves us. It washes away our sins. That God wants us to actually to feel that, that it's taken away. God wants us to feel the nourishment of receiving him, that Jesus says in the Gospel of John that I and the Father will come and dwell within. He'll come and dwell within the very, our very hearts to dwell within our being. He wants us to be able to receive him uh, in that material way uh, that, that Jesus really can do because he's all-powerful and, may, and can make himself truly present in that way in the Eucharist. And so for me, when I go to Mass, it is hard, though. I, I will admit, I've been to Protestant services that just light me up with the Holy Spirit, with music and worship. And, and I have been to some very lackluster Catholic masses, <laughs> yes. uh, the, to, to put it lightly. <laughs> but for me, I will always choose Mass, no matter how poorly it is celebrated, because I know that that is Jesus on that altar who says, take uh, and receive. This is my body. This is my blood. And he he meant this, and he has given this to me as a, as a gift, as being a child of God in the new covenant. And so I, I, am, I lament that I, when I first received the Eucharist, I could remember how many times I had received the Eucharist. Now I've lost count, but I, it's a precious thing. And that's why during the pandemic, when we've been unable to go to Mass, mm -hmm. it's been so mm -hmm. hurtful for yes. Catholics, out of, out of the common good and to protect others. But it's hard to be away from the Savior we adore, who is present to us under the form of bread and wine. Yes, I, I would agree wholeheartedly with that. It was so hard and the longest I had ever gone without receiving personally in my life. Um, and it was just, you missed it. And and so that just really shows, you know, it's not just a symbol. Um, it's not, it's that marriage, as you were talking, I wrote this down, it's the marriage of the spiritual and the physical realities because we are both physical and spiritual beings. So it makes sense that God would come to us in that way. Mm -hmm. So I, I really like how you explained that. And and so anything else you want to say about the Eucharist before you move on to talking about Mary and um, Marian theology a little bit? Uh, no, I, I think that if anyone wants to go a little bit deeper into that, I would definitely recommend my book, Why We're Catholic, which has a whole chapter mm -hmm. on the Eucharist and Mass. Uh, and if they want to go even deeper... Uh, my more scholarly treatment of these issues, I, I, I guess my two favorite books are Why We're Catholic, as well as my other book, The Case for Catholicism. I liked The Case for Catholicism because it gave me a chance to write in a more in-depth way. So that book is more of a, at a reading level for maybe a university undergraduate uh, to see the voluminous evidence there is for the Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. I will link that in the show notes, everybody. Okay, don't go anywhere just yet. If you have a few more minutes, listen into part two. Trent has a lot more goodness to share with you all. Bye for now.